right, before we do anything else, I want to look into the camera and say what's up to all those that are watching online all throughout the week this week. Come on, Heartland family, help me welcome them to church today. All right, if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and grab those and pull them out today. And uh, we're going to jump into the book of Hebrews. I'll talk more about that in just a second. Uh, But uh, a few quick things that I want to share with you before we jump in today. First of all, uh, we are right in the dog days of the summer, uh, and it's starting to get hot, as you know, but I do want to let you know because uh, as a church, we use August to kind of prepare for the fall, so to speak, and so I want to tell you about a couple of things. Uh, we are going to, this month, uh, other than our Sunday experiences, we kind of take this time, we have a couple of small group things going on, but we actually give you a few weeks uh, because we know you've got vacations and things going on, so there's not a whole lot of event driven stuff that's taking place, but we get ready for the fall once we hit August with 21 days of prayer uh, that begins August 8th through the 28th. You'll hear me talk about this a lot over the next few weeks as I get you ready for this because August is a very preparation-based uh, month for us. We'll, we'll spend a lot of time in prayer as a church. We'll do uh, Sundays a little bit differently. You'll hear me talk about that coming up. But I just want you to get these dates in your head right now uh, because it's a big season for us. And then uh, those of you who have maybe joined our church or come over the last few months, we kind of shut down the growth track for a few months. But the growth track is actually your way to kind of finding your way here at HC. And if you've not done this, Uh, Yet, the opportunity that you'll have in August is uh, on Saturday, August 21st. You can do a fast track growth track. Now, typically what we do in a lot of the months throughout the year is we have the growth track and it's taking place every Sunday. So the first Sunday, it's over four weeks. So the first Sunday of the month is step one. The second Sunday of the month is step two, third Sunday. And they take place after the 1130 service and you do that. Well, here we give you the opportunity to knock them all, all out in one fell swoop. It's actually a very popular option that people like. I'm telling you about it now because a lot of people will take advantage of this. So Saturday, August 21st, 9 to 1, I'll actually do those live in person. Uh, I don't typically do that in the growth track. Uh, we do it. I've videoed them all and we, we have them all on video. Uh, so if you'd like to do that with me live in person, I'd love to do that uh, with you. And you'll register at theheartlandchurch.com forward slash growth track. And then one last thing, and that is our dream team party. Come on, where's my dream teamers at in the room today? We love our dream team, those people that serve and make this thing go every single week. Uh, Please reserve this date, Sunday, August 29th. This is our first one that we've done in 18 months, uh, and it is one of the funniest nights of the year. Those of you who know Four Day Weekend, uh, the improv comedy club uh, that has locations in Dallas and in Fort Worth, my wife and I have been a ton. They'll be here with us at Dream Team Party this year, so it's going to be amazing, and you're not going to want to miss that. I cannot wait. Well, uh, the book of Hebrews today is where we're jumping in, and uh, I'm really excited about this. Those of you who are brand new to our church, uh, at the beginning of the summer, I just really challenged our church about being people that get in the Bible. Uh, We just, you know, if you look at secular society today and you look at Christian culture, uh, I think there's a big problem with Christians and their Bibles. They just don't know them. They, they're not in them that often. So we're right in the middle of a 90-day New Testament challenge right now. Many of you are doing that with us. And uh, we actually spent four weeks in the book of Galatians. And now I'm going to take four weeks 
uh, and we're going to spend some time in the book of Hebrews. So this summer, real academic, we're just diving into the Bible, uh, and uh, I'm excited about this one today. We, we don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews for sure. Uh, last month in Galatians, I, I taught you that the, the writer was a man named the Apostle Paul, and he would plant churches, and so he would often write his letters to Gentile audiences. Uh, well, this particular book is not written to a Gentile audience, it's actually written to a Jewish audience. And where, whereas the book of Galatians was a corrective letter, this particular book assumes that, that whoever's reading has sort of a background in Old Testament law, uh, which not a lot of you probably do. Uh, so uh, if we were to study the whole book, I would teach you a bunch of things in that. We won't do a lot of that in the series, but there's just a lot of things assumed. Like, for instance, in, uh, in Hebrews 8, there is the longest reference to the Old Testament in the entire New Testament. Uh, and it's a Jeremiah 31 quote, and it's quoted in Hebrews chapter 8. Uh, in Hebrews ta- chapter uh, 8, there's a lot of uh, talk about the sacrificial system in the Old Testament. So some people think it was Paul that wrote it. I don't. Uh, I, I think Paul usually identified himself. I would think it'd be strange that he'd write a letter here and not identify himself. So I lean probably to some of his uh, constituents Apollos or maybe Barnabas, we're, we're not sure, and really it doesn't matter that much, but all we know is that the writer of this book was concerned that Jewish Christians were being persecuted uh, pretty heavily. Uh, this was around the time of Emperor Nero, and so Christians were literally being burned on crosses. Uh, they were being, um, literally their skin peeled off. Uh, it's horrific if you study Nero. He was a, a, a horrible, horrible ruler. Uh, very hard on Christians, and a lot of Christians were actually turning back to Judaism because they were so freaked out about what was happening to them. And so this particular book is written to Christians saying, hey, I know you're being persecuted, but don't turn away from the faith. And while we're at it, change your mentality from this Old Testament way of thinking to a new grace type of thinking. This is very common in a lot of the letters uh, where they had been raised up believing this way for hundreds of years and now they're living with Jesus' sacrifice and in this era of grace and they don't totally know how to think. And so it's in that that we can pull all sorts of rich richness. There's all sorts of things in this text that Uh, we can pull from. Now, here's what we're going to do in this series. We're going to focus on one passage, and that's it. And that one passage is going to lead us for four weeks, uh, and you'll see why here in just a second. So I want to read it, and then we're going to dive into it. I'll set up kind of what we're going to talk about for four weeks, and then we'll jump in. And I would just encourage you to listen to all four weeks of this message, even if for some reason you're not here for one of them, because I think uh, it can help you. And As we dive in today, I I do want to just uh, tell you that this text is an important, important text. Let's read it together. It's in Hebrews chapter six. It says this, therefore, leaving the discussion of elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of, and then he's gonna mention six things here, okay? And here are the six, I've highlighted them. Repentance from dead works, Faith towards God, the doctrine of baptisms, laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, 
and of eternal judgment. And then he says this, and this we will do if God permits. So basically here's what Paul says in a nutshell. He says, hey, there's some elementary things that by now I would have hoped that you would have known, all right? These are some simple things, some things we've taught you, some basic things that I want you to understand. And if you understand these six things, then you can move on to what God's got for you. But we need to move past these six things because this is kind of the basic. And so what I want to do in this series is I want to talk to you about those six things. I mean, if the Bible basically says they're elementary, if the Bible talks to them and says they're basic things, then we need to know them. And my guess is if I have any sort of sense in my bones, it's that there's a whole bunch of people in this room today that don't really understand all six of these uh, and don't really know what they're about. I don't necessarily know why he chose these six things uh, as the elementary things, but we're gonna talk about them. Now, before we do, there's this one last piece of this verse that I just want you to note really, really closely today. And he just says this, and we'll do all this. We'll be able to move beyond the elementary principles into perfection if God permits. Come on, everybody say that phrase with me real loud today. Come on, let me hear you. Just so that I know in the middle of summer, you're awake. Come on, say it with me. If God permits. There you are, you're there. Isn't that interesting? If God permits us to go forward. Why would he say that? And I think my question is, I was just kind of studying this, is why wouldn't he permit it? You know, if, 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 why we got to ask for God to help us and let us go forward? And so I want to talk about that for just a second. Every person here has probably seen, at least at some point in their life, a house being built. And one of the things that happens when a house gets built, uh, you know this, everybody, one of the first things you got to do is you got to lay a foundation. And the foundation has to be right, doesn't it? Because if the foundation isn't right on the house, then really nothing on the house is going to be right. So before you can move on with the construction in your house, you have to go to the city. And you go to the city and you basically say, hey, here's the foundation. We've laid it. The foundation has to get tested. And if it tests correctly, you get a green tag. And if it tests negatively, you get a red tag. And a red tag means, hold up, we're not going any further. There's some things with this foundation that's not correct. You gotta get this correct before you can move on and lay the rest of the, uh, rest of the house down on top of it. Because if your foundation isn't built correctly, you can't move forward until it's fixed. And I just wanna say this for you and for me in the middle of the summer where we're taking this time and and I'll talk about this here, talking about things that necessarily don't make like, you know, your liver quiver, you know, so to speak. Like you're just not getting, it's like, ah, uh, you know, we're talking about this. This seems, some people might actually come to church and say, this kind of actually sounds sort of boring. You know, I was hoping you'd talk about stress or I was hoping that you'd talk about something that really applies to my life, you know. But the truth is we, we tend to make great plans, don't we? We, we? we tend to have all these dreams and all these purposes and we plan our lives and we, we, we think about grandiose things that we want God to do through us. And the truth is a lot of times we don't focus on the foundation. Am I right? I, and the truth is nothing just happens because we want it. Everything that you're gonna do, whether it's your purpose, whether it's the plans that you have set out, whether it's your ministry, whether it's going to LA to minister to some people, in order for you to accomplish what you feel like God is wanting you to accomplish, you're gonna have to get a permit from God. Can we just say it that way? You need a good foundation. 
Every role, every ministry, every dream, every vision, every plan requires preparation. It requires permission. It requires the right foundation. Kendra and I just didn't wake up one day and say, you know, we'd love to be lead pastors of a church. Let's just start it and see what happens. No, it it came with 20 years of tilling the soil and God preparing us and laying a foundation in our own hearts before he could bless this and bless us being able to do this. And I guess what I'm trying to tell you today is that if you'll learn these and if you'll live these and if you get them, you'll get the green tag, everybody. You'll, you'll be able to move on beyond the elementary, but, but God's not gonna move you beyond the right foundation. Hello? Because he loves you too much. He, he knows that a bad foundation is gonna create problems a little bit later on down the road. Are you hearing me today? We, we've all watched these last few weeks on the news and read about it, this horrific tragedy in in Florida where this condo, half of this condo collapsed. And how many of you have been watching that on the news, following that? It's horrific, isn't it? Imagine that you're just in your home, you know, and then this happens. And I think maybe the worst part of it all has been that we've, we've now found out a little bit later on through the experts and the engineers that that the warning signs were there, that the foundation was corroded, that, that things were not as they should have been, and that it was ignored. And because of that, people paid a price for somebody's ignorance. Somebody had to take responsibility, and now those people took responsibility through the loss of their life for someone else's irresponsibility. How many people know in this room that in order for you to have anything in your life that's successful, you have to have a good foundation? If you want to have a great marriage, I saw come into the room our children's director and her new husband, Tiana and Chase, you know, married. Come on, you guys. Congratulations, by the way. If you want to have a good marriage, listen, you better have a good foundation. If you want to have children in the room today and you want your children to grow in the ways of the Lord, you better have a good foundation. If you want to have a good career You know, you better have a good foundation. If you want to have a great ministry, you better have a good foundation. You always have a greater chance for success with a great foundation in your life. In fact, let me just give you a few reasons, if I can, why you need a a good foundation. Because this whole series is about creating a foundation in your life. The first reason is for safety, obviously. I mean, a good foundation will, will, will lay the groundwork for you to be safe. Now, this is not just true, you know, with a home or physically speaking. This is true spiritually speaking, too. Because how many people know that we live in an evil world? We're in a war zone where the enemy's goal is to kill and to steal and to destroy your life. In fact, in the book of Ephesians, the writer writes in Ephesians 6 and tells you that you're in a war right now that's spiritual. And so because of that, you need some armor. Hello, that's a foundational thought. You need some armor that's gonna prepare you for the war that you're fighting. And then the Bible lists off all these different pieces of armor. And in Ephesians 6, 17, we see this particular piece. And and there are different pieces, the, the, the boots of good news, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation. But then there's one particular piece of the armor that gets listed. It's the only offensive part of it. It says, take the helmet of salvation. And then it says, take the sword of the spirit, which if you're wondering, what is that? The Bible tells us, which is the word of God. That's, it's the only offensive weapon in the description of the armor of God. The, the word of God is how you fight 
You gotta have the, the, that if you wanna be able to fight. We see this in scripture. Satan tempts Jesus three times while he's in the wilderness. What does Jesus use to go back on the offensive against Satan? It's only one thing, three different times. The word of God, he combats Satan by saying, it is written, three different times. In other words, you have to know your Bible. And that's a problem for a lot of Christians today. As you've heard me say, it's been well documented here at this church. Christians don't know their Bible. In fact, Barna did a study a few uh, years ago in America, and he found that 50% of believers don't believe in the devil, don't believe in hell, and don't believe that the Holy Spirit is a person. Well, I'm just going to tell you something. That's a problem. Jesus taught more about hell than he taught about heaven. The devil shows up all the way in chapter 3 of Genesis, and the Holy Spirit shows up in Genesis 1. Like, like so many believers, they're either illiterate or they're just picking and choosing what they want to believe and what they don't want to believe. And what that just tells me today is we got a whole lot of people who claim to be Christians and they have a shaky foundation. And that's why we're talking about this week because not only will it give you power, the, the word of God, but it'll change your life. It'll enable you to go onto the offensive with the enemy. It creates safety, a foundation for you. The second thing that it does is it helps you with unexpected stress. How many people know you don't create a good foundation for the good times? You create a foundation for the worst times. You, you do it so you can make sure when your foundation is as solid as it can be, it can protect you. In fact, look at this verse in Luke. I've referenced it many times over the years, but it's one of my favorite verses just to Christians. I think it's so applicable. Jesus is talking. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? Like, stop saying, oh, I'm the Lord of your life, and yet you don't do anything that I tell you to do. As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words, and, and notice what he says, I highlight it for you. You can't just hear it, everybody. You can't just come to church and just wah, 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 wah. You actually gotta do something. You have to put them into practice. You gotta put them into your practice. Those who don't just hear it, those who put it into practice. And then notice the analogy, what he goes into. He says, I will show you what they're like. They're like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on a rock. These are the people who put the words into practice, everybody. When a flood came, the torment struck that house but couldn't shake it because it was well built. But the ones who hear my words and does not put them into practice, it's like a man who built his house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck, that house collapsed and its destruction was complete. Here's what, here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, my words are indestructible for your life. If you put your life on my words, you'll create a foundation that when life comes and the storms come, you cannot be shaken. Now listen to me, everybody. I don't know your future. Heck, I don't even know my own future. But I can just promise you one thing here today, if you're here, and that's this, that the enemy is gonna try to take you out. He will. He's going to do everything he can to present a counterfeit option other than God's best for your life. But there is nothing that he can throw you. There's nothing that he can send you. There's nothing that he can do to you that can overpower God's word in your life. I'm going to tell you something. Kendra and I have walked through some things. 
some dark days. We've had some moments. It's not all just been peaches and roses, kittens and ice cream. Those are four random things put together. (laughs) But I'm going to tell you something. In the middle of those seasons, nothing has overthrown God's word in our life. In fact, yeah, come on, let's clap our hands to that today. The word of God allows blessing. We're imperfect, but his grace enables us, everybody. Without God's word, you have no foundation. And I can, just, I can just right now, before I even know what your future looks like, I can assure you a life of pain without the word of God as a foundation. I can assure it to you. Because without it, a house will fall. It's in God's word. Now listen to me. That doesn't have to happen. Because God has given his word to you. It's just up to you. Here, here's the third thing the foundation's for. It's for the superstructure. Now, how many people know this? All the people, Brad, Brad will know this. Brad's engineer. He knows some of this stuff, right? Architect. The superstructure determines the substructure, right? If you think that you can lay a very big house on a very thin foundation, you're mistaken. It's not gonna happen. In fact, I just, I, I wrote this down for you. The fastest way to failure is when your personal successes surpass the foundation of your character. Let me tell you something. Foundations are expensive. Good ones, but you're not going to see it until later on. It actually delays the stuff that you like. But how many people know it's imperative? And when you as a believer try to cut corners, when you don't go through the process, when you don't go through the process of discipleship, hey, everybody, you might save some time, but you'll have problems later on. I've seen people and pastors and leaders really flashy, start real strong, storm onto the scene, no foundation, problems real quickly down the road. Your foundation, here's what your foundation does. Your foundation tells God how much he can put on you. When he sees you working on your foundation, oh, I can put more on them. God gives me more as my capacity grows. You want more? You, you, want, you, gotta, you gotta grow your capacity. How? Foundations. Gotta grow you. In fact, I'll just say it this way. Here's the whole reason we're doing this right now. Because HC's capacity to handle more is only determined by the foundation of our church growing. Well, we want more influence as a church. We want more people. We want to see more salvations. Listen, if we want that, we better have the foundation to sustain it. Or else the thing that we're praying for and believing for and asking God for actually becomes the thing that destroys us. I'm preaching better than you're saying amen. I'm just telling you that right now. I've shared at length about how I think that we're living in the last days and I'm not a I'm not a predictor of the future or anything like that, but I I really do believe that we're living in a time where Jesus could be returning back quickly. I want to show you a verse in 2 Timothy 4. This is uh, the writer Paul writing to one of his spiritual sons. And this is what he says to his spiritual son. Now, this is a verse kind of for church leaders, so this is a verse for me if that makes any sense. And this is what he's saying to me. So I solemnly urge you in the presence of God in Christ Jesus, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he comes to set up his kingdom. 
Here's, here's what he tells me. This is what he tells a spiritual son. Preach the word of God. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. How many people know? We've had some unfavorable times the last couple of years. And when you do it, patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with, come on, everybody say that, with, with good teaching. Here's what I've learned about our culture right now. Most people don't want this. Most people want Instagram church. Good sound bites, and it feels good, and it's catchy, and it, and it kind of puts you all in the feels in the moment. Come on, everybody. And th- then he says this. He says, you got to preach the word. you got to do it with good teaching because a time's coming. And when that time comes, people are no longer going to listen to the sound of wholesome teaching. They'll follow their own desires and they'll look for teachers, come on everybody, who will tell them whatever their itching ears wanna hear and they will reject the truth and chase after myths. And we're seeing it in our time right now. There will be a time, and I don't wanna sound like one of those old, I'm telling you, I'm preaching the truth and if you're not, listen, I'm not trying to be that. I'm just telling you this, that a time is going to come where men and women don't want to endure sound doctrine anymore because it's not fun, it's harder, and it's very personal. It's a whole lot easier to talk about, here are the five ways to live your best life than it is to talk about being a good neighbor and to learn the principles in Scripture about stewardship and serving. There's a reason why our attendance jumps 35 to 40% whenever we do at the movies. Come on, it's fun. We got popcorn and drinks and there are people dressed up and we're taking pictures. And I'm not saying any of that's bad. Like we're gonna do all of those things. You hear me? Like we do it. So if if we're doing it, why am I like, I wanna do it. I love it. It is fun. It's fun for me. I don't preach for four weeks. (laughs) I love at the movies. But here's what I'm trying to tell you. Don't be the believer that loves the popcorn and the Coke, but hates the good doctrine too. Love both of them. Realize that both have value in your life, forgiving and serving and and, and biblical marriage and dying to yourself and the inerrancy of scripture and spiritual warfare. I just said a whole bunch of words some of y'all don't even understand at all. Every year I do this survey at Easter, right? You know, and and it's what do you wanna hear messages on? That's what I do. Now, I'm gonna go behind the scenes here. You wanna know what the top three are? The most, almost every year I can tell you. Okay, the top three most requested. Here are the top three, you ready? Handling stress, God's plan for my life, and raising kids in today's culture. What does that have in common? It's all about us. (laughs) Help me with me. It's how we think. You wanna know the three lowest percentages things? Here they are, you ready? Overcoming addiction, forgiveness, (laughs) how to pray, and being a leader in tough times. Why? Because those things, those things suck. Nobody wants to talk about those. Not prayer, obviously, you know what I mean. But we don't want to, it's like, I don't want to pray. I just, help me live my best life. How can I get there quickly? And here's all I'm trying to teach you today is disciples can't selectively learn. 
Because a time is coming where people are going to open up their Bibles and they're going to be scrolling through and they're going to come to a tough passage. And they're going to be like, yeah. And they're just going to skip right past it. And let me find the passage that I like. Consumer Christianity says, I want to be fed now. This is how I want to be fed. And when I don't, and I'm not being fed the way that I want to be fed, I don't want anybody telling me things that are hard. Just listen to me. You can actually live your life that way, but it'll produce a very weak Christian with a very weak foundation because the hard stuff helps us. And as a pastor, I've just decided I'm gonna take my cues from the Lord. I will not take my cues from others. I'll take it from him. And some of it won't taste very good going down sometimes, but it will help your health spiritually more than you know. Come on, church, say amen with me today for that. Because you have a huge destiny in your life. But without the foundations, you're just gonna struggle. So I've got about 11 minutes and 24 seconds left. That being said, I wanna, I wanna just quickly, because these first two are the two that I think that you probably know more about than any of the other six. So I'm gonna briefly talk about that, and I'm not gonna assume, but I'll talk about it for a few minutes. But let's start with the first two, and then the next four will take the next three weeks. So here are the first two. The foundation of repentance from dead works and faith towards God. Okay, what are those two things? And uh, like I said, the first two, I think Christians in general in America probably know more about those two than the other six. So I'm just gonna, to help you with this, I'm gonna do it in sort of a different way. I'm just gonna give you four truths about these two foundations for a couple of minutes. And I'll talk about them quick. Here's the first truth. And they're kind of long. I didn't know how else to do this. So here's the first one. Truth number one. These truths help us in our lives around these two foundational principles. So if you live out these truths, you'll basically live out these first two principles. Here's the first truth. We are not free agents. We are owned by God and are totally accountable to him in every area of our life. Now, we have to start here because you will always live your life, if you're not careful, on the basis of who you wanna be and what you want to do. That's the filter of how you live. It's the filter of how I know that you're thinking. What do I want to do, and who do I want to be? And here's where this is so foundational, is that if you want to be a Christian, if you want to not be a Christian, you can live your life that way, and it's totally fine, I guess, okay? But Christians realize that when we make the decision to submit our lives to Jesus, we essentially give up our rights. We have no rights, we only have the rights that God has given us. Now, this is not, should not be a new concept to us because this is supposedly what marriage looks like. When I got married to Kendra, I gave up some rights. Now, I did that because I assumed that the rights that I was gaining were better than the rights that I was giving up. But I chose to do it. I, I forfeited some of those rights. Kendra is my wife because I made a covenant with her to be my wife. And so I'm, not, I'm no longer in the game anymore, everybody. I'm locked down, as she tells me from time to time. I have given up those rights. Now, here's the truth. If you don't wanna give up your rights, you don't have to. Just realize this. You will pay for your own sin. You'll keep that right. Someone has to pay for sin. And here's what Christians understand. Christians understand, if I decide to accept Christ, 
I am making the decision to submit myself to the lordship of Jesus Christ. So let's just take a random example, all right? Something that is not uh, controversial at all, your sexuality, all right? (laughs) Couldn't even say it with a straight face. This is some of the rights, by the way, I've given up to Kendra. To have other women as my best friend. To dine alone with other women. To have areas of my life that are private. Hello, married people. Like, that's trying to help you right now, all right? To do what I want to do when I want to do it. To not lead in the areas of a spiritual relationship with God. I forfeited rights. These, these are things that I've given up. Now, here's this example, all right? This is just a random example. This is what the Apostle Paul writes about our sexuality. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and look at this, and you are not your own, for you were bought at a price. Therefore, Glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So the Bible comes along and says sexuality and sexual decisions are not your decisions to make anymore. What? This is my body and my choice and I get to choose and blah, 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 blah. No, 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 no. Not for Christians. Hello. Christians have given themselves to the lordship of Jesus. And therefore, every decision that we make, whether it seems good in culture, whether whoever, it is defined now by the word of God. Are you hearing me today? In fact, the scripture goes on to say that your bodies belong to him. What's the call? The call is to glorify God in every part of your life. We're not, we're not free, we're in Jesus. And if we think we operate independently, we're wrong. In fact, I'll say it this way. This is the easiest way that I know to describe it, is we're free in Jesus, but we're not free from Jesus. So so Jesus, in other words, he didn't die so that you could become a free agent. He died so that you could be free from the wages of your sin. And you may have good ideas, but God doesn't bless good ideas. God blesses his ideas. This is so foundational. God does not have any obligation to any of your good ideas. He only energizes whatever he initiates. Jesus says, don't call me Lord and then not do what I say. If Jesus is Lord, you're not necessarily free the way that we would define free. Are you with me today? Here's the second truth that I want you to write down. We are totally, truth number two, totally incapable of running our own lives. It's why we turn to Christ in the first place. So this is the second truth. Throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, one of the most common comparisons that the Bible has for us is sheep. That is not a compliment. Look at what Jesus says in John 10. He says this, I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the, I am the gate for the, all who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. 
They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. And look what he says here. I'm the good shepherd. And the thing about sheep is sheep look sweet and they look fluffy, but they are pathetically ill-equipped to manage their life on their own. They can't, they, they can't do it. They don't have what it takes. Listen to me. You were not created to be an independent on, on the reliance of yourself. You were created to be reliant upon Jesus. That's why all throughout Scripture, we see Satan tempting people with what? With independence. Outside of God. This is why husbands fight wives for more freedom. It's why teenagers are fighting their parents for more freedom. It's why Christians are fighting God for more freedom. It's because it's the push in us, but it's something we have to recognize. Look at Isaiah 53. It says, all of us like have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own. And what does this do? It shows you the tension. It shows the tension of us trying to do it our own way, but we're unable. This is how so many of us live our lives, but check out how David lived his life, the decision that he came to somewhere along the way. A very popular psalm, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Here's a promise. If you make Jesus Lord, you won't live your life wanting. The shepherd knows how to protect the shepherd knows the future. He knows how to provide. Everything that we need is in him. The other day, I was uh, scrolling through Instagram mindlessly, like all of us do from time to time, or some of us at least, and I saw this quote pop up that I want you to see, and I think it's placed on the inside of a gym, and I've tried to find the quote and make it really, really big, but as I read it, I started laughing a little bit. I want to read this to you. This is, this is what it says. Hopefully you guys can see this. I am a movement unto myself. Energy is a force that I create. I make the most out of every step I take during my time on earth. I believe in myself. My deep breath fuels every cell of my being. My body and mind move as one guided by inner power. I defy gravity every day. I'd like to know how that works, but... I kick my mental couch to the curb. Nothing weighs me down. I live, I laugh, I love infinitely. I never give up or give in. My passions are unrelenting. Fear does not weaken my will or my resolve. Nothing strengthens my determination. I lift others up with me. My strength comes from within. It is my core and it is unbreakable. I tell you, I got tired reading that. And as I saw the statement, I thought, you know, okay, I get what they're trying to do, but I need to make sure we all understand something. Only God can make that statement. <laughs> the truth is, if we were right, it's more, and we were just really honest, it's like, I kick myself to the curb every day. Everything weighs me down. I need to laugh more. I really struggle loving people. I, I give up all the time. You know, it's like, this is more a picture of what it's really like. But that doesn't look good in the gym. You know what I'm saying? But I need you to know, my energy doesn't come from within. My energy comes from God. Psalm 121, my help comes from the Lord. We are incapable of leading our own lives. So this is a foundation. I cannot guide my own life. I'm a sheep. I'm in need of a shepherd. And listen to me. God has a detailed plan for your life. And his plan is the only plan 
that you should be reaching for when it comes to him. In fact, can I just read this to you really quickly? It's just, this encouraged me. I've read it before. When we think about God's thoughts towards us, maybe you're discouraged today. Maybe you're wondering if God even cares. Can I just read you a verse of scripture that spoke to me so much even this week? Oh, well, here's truth number three. God's created a detailed plan and purpose for your life. Here's the verse I wanna read in just a second. God created us with a detailed plan and purpose for our life. This was the third truth. He can guide us there. Here it is. I want you to think about this. God made all the delicate inner parts of my body. He knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you, God, for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. Check this next part out. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Think about this for a second. This part, whew, every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God? Your thoughts can't be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you're still with me. The next time you're at a beach, and I hope it's soon, when you look across that beach and you pick up some of that sand in your hands and you rub all those different grains, realize, look across it and realize that God's thoughts for you outweigh all the grains of sand on the ground. You're not an afterthought. You're not meaningless. You're important. You were designed by God. Destiny is in front of you, but there's only one way through to that plan and it's through his guidance. And I'm gonna tell you something. What God does is God is outside of time, so he stands outside of time. And God stands in your future. When I was 18 years old in a chapel in our old building, praying on a Friday night, walking up and down and crying, saying, God, use me. I want to be used for your kingdom. 18-year-old Dusty was praying that prayer, but God was standing in my 38-year-old future. And he was calling me, and he was burdening me from my future to that 18-year-old boy. The plan for your future is incredible. Are you hearing me today? And God is already standing in your future right now, smiling at you. To which some of you might say, well, Dusty, I've made a lot of mistakes. I've, I've missed God's plan. God probably had a plan for me at one time, but it's too far gone. Listen to me. Have you ever used maps on your, on your iPhone or your phone before? I don't know if Android users have that, but you know. <laughs> you guys might not be saved anyways. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. But if you've ever used maps on your phone and you take a, a wrong turn, what does it do? Recalculating. Recalculating. Listen to me. If an app on your phone can recalculate, don't you think that God can? Every time you've missed a turn, every time you've sinned, it's not too late. God doesn't throw people away. The thief on the cross 
is hanging there with Jesus. You'd have thought his life would have been thrown away. Jesus turns and looks at him, says, today you'll be with me in paradise. Listen to me, God has a plan for your life. And he was there while you were being formed in your mother's womb. You wanna know what a dead work is? A dead work, repentance from dead works was the first one. A dead work is our best trying to orchestrate our plans for our lives. Don't try to orchestrate what only God can. So let's repent from trying to do it our own way. Let's come to God and say, God, here are my plans. No, I'm gonna submit them to you because your ways are better than my ways. Did you know that? That God loves you infinitely more than you love yourself? And we love ourselves a lot. No, 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 submit to you. Because for some of us, that seems so impossible that we would have a heavenly father that would love us. Some of us grew up without fathers. Some of us, our fathers abandoned us. Some of us, they, they, fathers were distant and cold, abusive. But to get, begin our Christian life, we have to come to the place where we're not free moral agents and, and we can't run our own lives anymore. And the destiny that God has for us to fulfill can only take place whenever we trust in him and we follow him and we follow his word. These are the two foundations. We have to repent from dead works, the things that we try to do on our own. Like sheep, we've gone astray. We've we've gotta come back to the shepherd because he loves you. Humble yourselves. Be reminded of his plans because God is the perfect father is truth number four. And he loves us more than we love ourselves. And he will bless us more than we could bless ourselves if we'll trust him. Will you trust him today with your life? For him to be the Lord of your life? Let me tell you something. When you make that determination in your heart, you put in motion a set of plans that God has been planning for your life long before you even had the idea. You allow him to be the Lord. Can we just pray together today? Father, this is such a foundational principle. It's really powerful, honestly. And I'm asking you right now for somebody in this room who's been trying to run their own life today to come to the place where they recognize and realize they're powerless to do it without you in your hand guiding them. With nobody looking around right now, some of you in this room today, maybe you've never done that before. Maybe... You've never asked God, God, today I'm giving over my plans to you and I'm submitting myself to you. I want you to be the good shepherd in my life today. I want your truth and your peace, everything that you bring for my life. Today, I don't wanna be a free agent anymore. I wanna make you the leader of my life and my heart. The way I describe this to people is it's you getting out of the passenger or getting out of the driver's seat of your life and getting in the passenger seat and saying, God, I want you to drive today. It's you saying, Lord, be the Lord of my life. And maybe you've never done that before in this place. As a pastor here this morning, I'd just love to give you that opportunity. You can do it without me, of course, but can I just guide you in this moment for just a second? Those of you that would say, those of you watching online even, that would say, God, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I actually think this is a really private moment between you and God, so I'm not asking you to stand or come down to the front or anything like that. But I am gonna ask you to put a physical expression 
on what you feel like God is speaking to your heart. Why do I do that? Because I think there's something in us that our spirit needs to tell our flesh what to do instead of our flesh always leading us around. So in this moment, all I'm going to ask you to do in just a moment is just to lift your hand, not to me, not to a pastor, not to a church, but to Jesus. He's your heavenly father. With nobody looking around in this precious private moment between you and God, if that's you today, without hesitation, on the count of three, if you'd say, Dusty, I need to make him the Lord of my life, and I've just not done it, I've delayed it, or I, I did it a long time ago, but I've just pushed it away. Today, I need to make that decision. On the count of three, I just want you to lift your hand towards heaven today. One, two, three. Come on, don't hesitate. Bang, that's me. Lift it up to heaven today. Yeah, I just gotta get that. Hands going up that are saying yes to Jesus today. Thank you for doing that, not to me, but to Jesus. All right, you can put your hands down. Several of you saying yes. Those of you online right now that are saying, just say, I need Jesus. Type that in the chat today. If that's you, I wanna submit myself to the Lordship of Jesus. I need Jesus. Just type that into the chat. Now, those of you who raise your hands, listen to me. Religion would tell you you have to sound a certain way or do it a certain way. God does not care about all that. He cares that it comes from you and from your heart. And so make it your own prayer today, just however you would pray. And I'll pray a prayer, and you can follow mine if you want to, or you can pray your own, whatever that looks like for you, but make it your own. Just say this, say, Jesus, today I submit myself to your lordship. I ask you to be on the throne of my heart. I repent, God, for the things that have separated me from you. And I want a relationship with you. And I want you to change me from the inside out. I want you to do a work in my life that changes my life. And so I'm giving you the keys to my life. I'm asking you to drive. I'm asking you to do what only you can do. Come into my heart. Today, I submit myself to you. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, say amen today all over the room. There were a bunch of people that raised their hand towards heaven today. Come on, we celebrate you today. Awesome. All right, before I get you out of here, let me just tell you a couple of things. Number one, if you just raised your hand or you're saying, what's my next step? We wanna help you with that. Go out to our next steps table today. I have a book that I wanna put in your hands. If you need a Bible, we'll give you one of those. Your next step would be the growth track. Let our team help you get registered, signed up for that. We wanna help you uh, on this new journey in your Christian faith. For those of you who are a part of our church right now, continue in the 90 days. Don't give up. If you've missed some days, it's just the 105 day challenge is all it is now, all right? So don't give up, shame off you, keep going. You got this, you're gonna do it. You're doing great already. This week, would you do me a favor? My precious grandmother, uh, we call the original lady of this church, uh, is in the hospital today uh, and uh, needs your prayers. She's battling some pneumonia right now, not COVID related, but just needs your prayers. I would really appreciate it. She's a, a founder of this church, has done so much for it. And so would you join me in praying for her this week in your personal time? I'd really appreciate it. We're not receiving an offering right now during this season. So if you wanna give, you can give online, theheartlandchurch.com or just... We're still kind of not passing like 40 million buckets around where a million people are touching them. So uh, thanks so much. And I hope that you'll join us next week. We're gonna get into this more and dive in. These next few, I think are really gonna help you in a big way. So it's a foundation. You need it for your life. Why don't you stand on your feet all over the room? Thanks so much for coming. Again, my wife and I, Kendra, she'll be pulling up here any minute. She's got our kids 
piling them up, getting ready to go to camp, but she will uh, join me here in a couple of minutes out in the lobby. We'd love to meet you and say hi to you if this is your first time hanging out with us today. We wanna pray for you, anything you need in your life. You can always submit a prayer request to prayer at theheartlandchurch.com. Be our joy just to pray with whatever is going on in your life. Let me just bless you today. Our team's gonna sing you out. And I love each and every one of you so much. Father, I pray for everybody's week. Pray for their jobs, for their children, whatever it is that they got going on for marriages, for health. Lord, let your spirit be with them, watch over them. And we thank you. Help us to just have a great week. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, say amen. Amen. I love you guys. God bless you. We'll see you. Come on, team. Let's sing it out today.